1991, cannibal serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer was captured. He had killed and sometimes eaten 17 people. Marshall Ledbetter blockaded himself in the Florida State Capitol building and demanded, among other things, a large Gumby's pizza, weed, 666 donuts, $100 worth of Chinese food, and a phone call with Ice Cube. He was caught and none of his demands were met. Meanwhile, Hollywood legend Neville Sinclair was thwarted while trying to sell out his country to the Nazis by a flying man dressed as a hood ornament. It's time for the last action podcast! Pop quiz hot shot! I feel the need for need for speed! Please, we can kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome, everybody, to the Last Action Podcast. I am Hovercraft Joe, joining you, as always, and with me, as always, LPJ. Hey, Jody, nice job there. <laughs> I, I got the words out, they just didn't make sense. Mostly. <laughs> you know what? I'm happy with what I said. Fair enough. How's it going, LPJ? I'm good. How are you? I am excellent. You know what I forgot to do? was pull up the music we're going to talk about. Oh, well, that's fine. Kick us off. <laughs> well, uh, while you're doing that, I will let everyone know that we are here to talk about uh, The Rocketeer, a film that came out in 1991, uh, as you could tell from uh, LPJ's great opening that we had. Um, this movie actually specifically came out on June 21st, 1991. Mm-hmm. Um I had a little trouble uh, tracking down the budget for this film. Uh, one thing I saw said it was like forty million. Then I saw something that said maybe it was more like thirty-five. Yeah, actually, I have a, I do have some information about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, initially, the film's budget was um, twenty-five million dollars. Okay. And uh, so this is this is first of all, it's, we should probably preface this by saying it's a Disney film. Okay. Yeah, it's a Disney film. Yeah. So the daily started to come back as they were making the film, and Disney got a took a look at it and were very very pleased at what was happening mm-hmm. and upped the budget they kept you know the the, the director uh, Joe Johnston uh, would request more money to do something else and and Disney kept saying yes so that the budget eventually got up to around 40 million um but it started at 25 okay and I, I have a, I didn't get a worldwide gross. All I got was a domestic gross yeah. of 46 million yeah 46 and a half million dollars um yeah, did not make its money back. So, yeah, it's a ooh, big swing and a miss, which is, I don't know, and we'll get into it. Obviously, we're at the top here, but it's it's surprising to me, at least, that this movie did so poorly. Yeah, I'm really surprised by that, too. Like, I thought it did better than it, like, I remembered it being bigger than it actually ended up being. Yeah, and I, and, and, <laughs> I mean, this is, we should clarify or, or right up the top, I think this is one of those movies that, that is very important to us. Sure. And maybe not as important to the general public. No, no, it's really not. It, although it's become a bit of a cult movie. <laughs> this is one that, you know, a lot of times I'll talk about the podcast and, you know, mention to the people at work and they're like, oh, like, what movies are you doing? And, you know, I'd go through and I'd mention The Rocketeer and they're like, huh? And they either like, re- the response would either be like, they're not sure what it was or like, oh, really? You're doing that? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it, it was surprising to me in, in rewatching it. And like I said, we'll get into more of my exact thoughts on it, but it is surprising that it wasn't a bigger success when it came out. Yeah. And I don't know, because uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves came out around the same time. Right. Um, 
Which is another big movie for me. Which was another, yeah, another big movie for me as well. That we'll cover at some point for sure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so I think, did, did this movie get overshadowed by that one? I mean, it could be. I mean, it was, I mean, this, you know what? This is a great segue into the top grossing movies of 1991. All right. Uh, the Rocketeer, I mean, for as bad as in theory it did, it finished 27th. It's not bad. Which isn't terrible. No. But do you, can you take a shot at the top three? You might have possibly- Yeah, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves has got to be up there. It's number two. Okay. Uh, 91, 91, 91, 91. This, the number one should be, I mean, we- Is it Jurassic Park? No. We just talked about this movie. Not, well, uh, like a, a few episodes ago. Uh, I have a hard time remembering episodes. Yeah, uh, big episode for us. Big anniversary episode. Oh, uh, uh, T2. T2 is yeah. number one. And then number three, I'll just throw out there for you, was Beauty and the Beast. Okay. So, but I mean, I, I guess it could have, I mean, I'm assuming that both T2 and Robin Hood were summer movies. Yeah. So it could have just got lost in the shuffle. It certainly could have. Yeah, mean, I mean, this is, yeah, I would say of the movies that you would pick, this is not one that you would pick to go see of those other two. Right. And it it's a uh, Rotten Tomato score of 63% and an audience score of 65. So, sure. I mean, a little, you know, not great, not terrible, kind of basically a little above middle. middle. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's fair. Uh, it makes sense to me, at least. Maybe not fair, obviously. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess I can kind of see the context of when it was released. Like I said, I don't know the exact dates in those other movies. But it might just not be something that was, you know publicized enough. I don't really remember a lot of I remember marketing. it being hyped a lot. Okay. I mean, it was hyped to the point where I went and saw it in the theater. Okay. Yeah. I remember I, I remember going to see this. I feel like I must have seen it in the theaters too. Yeah. Like for as, as into this movie and obsessed as I was, like I had to have seen it in the yeah. theaters. I don't remember specifically. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, well, I guess I don't remember specifically, but I remember, <laughs> I, I know that I saw it in the theater. Um, I would assume like my dad took me to see it. Yeah. I mean, this movie's important enough to me that I own the 25th anniversary Blu-ray of it. Oh, really? Yeah, man, it's it's pretty good. It's a good it's a good transfer too. It it looks really nice. Yeah, that's what I heard. I was I was looking at it online. I didn't actually oh. obviously buy it. Uh, and then I, I guess another thing we should mention about this movie a little bit of our shared history. I think we mentioned before that we were in in high school. We were in the marching band together. That is correct. Yeah. And the uh, the main theme from this was featured in one of our shows. It certainly was. And it was. I, I think maybe that's one of the other things that I. I mean this. We'll get into the music when we get to it, but like that theme, it, it's like it has an extra meaning to me because I remember it sure. so much from. And this, the theme is very, it's an iconic theme. Yeah. It's just like one of those under the radar iconic themes. Yeah. Like it's really good. Like when it starts playing, like the beginning of the movie, like I, and like I said, part of it's because of the movie, part of it's because of the Marching Man show, but it gives me chills. Like I love it so much. I'll play right now. Okay.
It's really good. It's great. It's, I I really like you said. I think it's really underrated as far as film scores go. Like mm-hmm. it's. And, and we should mention that it's done by the great James Horner. Yes. Who I'm sure we've talked about already many times and will continue to on the podcast because he does so many movies. Yep. But it's really good. And I, I'm, I'm surprised. It, and again, I think it's maybe just because the movie didn't achieve the kind of success at the time that maybe the score is not as recognizable. Yeah, I agree. Because like I said, to me, it's like instantly like, oh, man. But again, we have not only the movie, but also the Music that we played in band, which we played approximately 10,000 times. Oh, yeah. But so, I remember liking the music long before we heard it. Yeah, it's, it's just a great theme. And I, they use it very effectively in the movie. They use it throughout. And they it, do. In, in kind of different variant forms of it, but it's really good. And yeah, it, there's a faster version of it as well that yeah. is more action-y. And it kind of opens up the very beginning of the movie with that. And it's just, I yeah. don't know, it's really good. Like, I would recommend listening to the whole score. I think yeah, it's good. Yeah, I agree. Um, so <laughs> we're kind of bouncing around a little bit, but I guess we'll talk about the cast now. Uh, the main star of this is Billy Campbell, who plays Cle- Cliff Secord, the yeah. Rocketeer himself, who was, uh, my understanding, a relative unknown when he was hired for this. Uh, he was pretty much completely unknown. Right. And th- that was, I think, one of uh, the director, uh, Joe Johnston, he wanted to cast an unknown for this. Yeah, he wanted to cast an unknown, and he thought that that he that Billy Campbell did the best job conveying the the character itself. And I'm sure, and I know I came across this, and I know when you get the role reversal, I think there were some interesting people that Yeah, I have plenty. <laughs> um, so then uh, Jennifer Conley, young Jennifer Conley, yep. playing Jenny. Uh, Alan Arkin as PV, who I love in this movie. He's great in this. Um, another, Timothy Dalton as uh, Neville Sinclair. Timothy Dalton is great in this movie. He's really great in this. Uh, uh, Paul Servino yep. playing Eddie Valentine, who's great. And then uh, I also have uh, Terry O'Quinn listed. Yeah, as Howard Hughes. Playing Howard which Hughes. Which is interesting to see Howard Hughes in a movie. Which I have a, uh, a quick pop quiz for you. Oh, well. No, that's not going to work. Let's do that again. <laughs> maybe, also not going to work. Maybe, what is happening here? Maybe not a quick pop quiz. Pop quiz. Yeah. Uh-huh, there we go. First you don't succeed. Uh, so in the film The Rocketeer, the uh, rocket pack is invented by Howard Hughes. But in the original graphic novel on which this is based, it was invented by somebody different. Another well-known comic book character uh, invented this. Do you have any idea who in the graphic novel was the inventor of the rocket pack? In the graphic novel? Yes. Is a comic book character? It's a comic book character. You'll, you'll recognize the name. But not like, I mean, obviously not like uh, Marvel, mm. DC. It was invented by Doc Savage. Oh, in the graphic novel, he was the inventor, but they changed it to Howard Hughes in the movie. Sure, for which makes sense. Obvious reason, I think it works for yeah. the movie. I agree. I think <laughs> it probably makes more sense. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Um, so let's, uh, if you don't mind, uh, I don't know if you have that sound ready, but let's run through some net worths. There we go. <laughs> I got it right this time. Hey, uh, so we'll buzz through these because I did one for all the main people. What do you think about Paul Servino? Uh, I'm gonna say ten million. Boom, ten million on nice. the nose. What do you think for Timothy Dalton? T Dalton? Uh, I'm going to say 25 million. Uh, 10 million. Oh. We talked about him in uh, the. Uh, we did his. Oh, in, yeah. The, you just <laughs> what about Terry O'Quinn? 5 million. 8 million. Ah. Billy Campbell. I'm going to say not much. I'm going to say 2 million. Close. 2.5. Okay. Uh, Jennifer Connolly. Ooh. She's been in some Marvel movies lately. Well. Her voice has. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 50 million. 20 million. Okay. And then last but not least, Alan Arkin. Oh, uh, Alan Arkin. Uh, 12 million. 
1.5. You know what? I can't read my writing. It's 15 million. Thank you. (laughs) That makes more sense. I was going to say, Alan Arkin has less money than Billy Campbell. That makes sense, yeah. (laughs) I just could not read my own writing. (laughs) So we kind of mentioned that this movie is directed by Joe Johnston. Yep. Um, who's done, you know, great movies, Captain America, The First Avenger, mm-hmm. Hidalgo, Jurassic Park 3, uh, October Sky, and Jumanji are the ones that I can have listed, but yeah. he's, he's done a lot of stuff. Well, this is the movie that led, they basically led directly to him doing Captain America. Okay. It, it makes sense. It's the, 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 the vibe that this movie has. Absolutely. It makes total sense. Um, I have the writers of this as Paul DeMio and Danny Bilson. Yeah, Danny Bilson and Paul DeMio. Danny Bilson, uh, I know, is the father of actress Rachel Bilson. Sure. And I believe that Danny Bilson wrote comics, too, right? You, da- both of them. Danny Bilson and Paul DeMio wrote a 12-issue Flash series. Okay. They did... Um, all right, so I'm going to get a little nerdy here. Okay. So when Bart Allen took over as the Flash, okay, they wrote that series. Oh, you know what? I, I you that read was, that whole that series. That was when I was reading Flash comics. Yeah. Weren't um, Danny Bilson, at least, wasn't he involved in the Flash TV show? He the, was. The he, original one, the yes. one with um, John Wesley Shipp. Yes, he, he did that. He did um, He did a ton of them. He did, like, uh, I think Mantis, which was another, like, syndicated he does. He did a lot of the '90s syndicated TV shows like Viper. Okay. And, yeah. Okay. So yeah, but yeah, I, I totally forgot. I knew he wrote comics, but I totally forgot it was that run, which I definitely read and still have. So yeah, that's, that's and it was fun. a great run. I yeah. liked it a lot. Yeah. So I mean, this movie's well written, so I can see that. Um, and we talked about the composer already. Obviously, we played the music being uh, James James Horner. Horner. So um, pretty pretty good pedigree, I feel like, as far as writing and directing and acting and all that stuff in that movie. You mm-hmm. know, this movie, it's not. By any means, like it's not shoddy or you know, you know the. I think no, it looks great. It looks great. It's well acted. All that stuff yeah. is very interesting. Yeah. Um. So I guess we can kind of dive into the plot on this one. Well, let's do a little bit of development first because okay. this took this movie gestated for a long time. Okay. Like they initially started working on it in 1982. Oh wow. Yeah. So the 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 so the the it's a writer artist. So Dave Dave Stevens writes it. And, and drew the is comic. Dan Stevens? Dan Stevens, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, Dave Stevens. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wrote wrote it and um and drew the comic and optioned it in uh in eighty two. Okay. And um it didn't really take off. And then uh Bilson and DeMio were working on it from like nineteen eighty five on. Oh wow. So they've been working on it for a long time. Yikes. Yep. And uh, basically, the three of them, Bilson, DeMeo, and Stevens, have been kind of pitching this back and forth. They originally going to shoot it as a low budget black and white film. Um, and then they got some other people involved. And eventually, Disney picked it up and said, no, let's make a decent film with this. Okay. And then that's when the budget kept getting bigger and bigger. The issue they had was um, uh, it was like in 86 when they tried to do it at first, it was before Batman or Dick Tracy. So it really didn't get a lot of steam, and it took a little while to get going. Okay. Right. That makes enough sense. So this movie didn't really get greenlit until after those films come out. Okay. That makes enough sense. Um, I guess I do have another quick pop quiz for you. Oh. Pop quiz, hot shot. Uh, Stevens, uh, Dave Stevens, he makes a cameo in the movie, in the Rocketeer movie. Do you know what, what he plays in the movie? His cameo? Um... I saw that somewhere. I don't remember. Uh, he is when they're watching like the when they show him the film of like the the Germans like trying to invent the rocket. Pack. Oh yeah, he's the guy that has the rocket pack on that like explodes That's in the right. black and white film. So yep, there you go. 
Um, okay, so now the plot. Yes, the plot, please. Okay, so we're, we're at the beginning of the movie. We're introduced to Cliff Secord. Uh, he's a pilot, um, and this is what I was kind of confused. So he was not confused, but so he like competed in plane races, right? Yeah, back in the '30s, um, they so aviation was relatively new still then. Okay, that- so they had these single pilot those speed aircrafts. Yeah, and they would race them in big circular racetracks. You know, like they would race cars. Okay. Uh, and so he would compete in those, and there was a big national tournament that you would get into, and then the national person would, you know, win all sorts of shit. Okay, because that's like how we're introduced is like they have this new plane that they're they're testing out, and they're like, oh, this is going to get us into nationals for yeah. sure. And he kind of takes it up for an inaugural flight. Yes. Meanwhile, like kind of by the airfield, there's a big chase going on. The FBI is chasing these gangsters. Mm-hmm. They have a mysterious package. We don't know what it is. They kind of chase him across the airfield where Cliff's flying. Yes. And kind of in the crossfire, his plane gets shot. Yes. By yeah. some stray bullets and kind of like causes a lot of damage. And he ends up having to basically crash. Basically plane. crash land it. Yeah. Cause it's not, it's just starting to lose altitude. Right. And meanwhile, the, the gangsters kind of go into the hangar, uh, PV and uh, Cliff's hangar. Yes. And they hide the rocket pack in like an old plane in there. Yeah. There's an old biplane in there and they hide it in there. And they replace it, you know, with, fake and kind of drive off so they ultimately get caught by the fbi right killed no no, the one guy lives the other guy gets killed yeah yeah in the in the ensuing shootout one guy gets killed the other one they crash the car yeah and it blows up into like the fuel fuel truck right and so the guy tells him like oh well the 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 pack the 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 we didn't say pack he just says like the package package, was in the car and it's destroyed right so um, Cliff and PV are bummed because that was going to be their shot to nationals. And the guy that owns the airfield, I can't think of his name now. Um, I have it somewhere in my notes. Um, but Bigelow. He, Bigelow. He's all pissed because he kind of says, well, you owe me for the fuel because your plane crashed into it. And in order to do it, they're going to have to start doing the, um, what do they call it? The, the clown? Clown act. The clown act again. Yeah. Um, so when they go into like this old rickety plane that they're going to use, that's when they find... The pack in there. Yeah, the, they find the rocket pack. The rocket there. pack. Yeah, let's decide right now. We're going to call it a jet pack, rocket pack, rocket. I mean, they kind of refer to it as a rocket pack. Okay. so we'll He is c- the rocketeer. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, so we find they find the, um, the rocket pack in the plane. Um, I think we're kind of given a cut scene where, like, the FAI are telling Howard Hughes that it was destroyed, right, at this point? Like, I yeah. Because I think we kind of learned that it was, like, built by him. I think maybe he even, like, burns his plans for it or something. Yeah, he, um, <clears throat> so the FBI is, you know, saying, you know, all right, we'll just build another one. And he's like, no. He's like, no, I'm never building another one again. And he burns the He burns, burns the, the planes. planes. Okay, that's what it is. I knew, <laughs> I knew there was something about that. Um, so as we s- talked about, they're getting charged for the gas truck. Um, they find the jetpack. Uh, we're introduced to uh, Timothy Dalton's character, Neville, Neville Sinclair, Sinclair, based on Errol Flynn. Right. <laughs> and it's like pretty transparent that he's based on Errol Flynn. Oh, super transparent. I mean, like, in, in as much as like the movie that he they show him filming is essentially like a Robin Hood movie. Exactly. Um, you find out that Neville Sinclair was the one that hired uh, Paul Servino's character, mm-hmm. uh, Valentine, to steal the jetpack. Um, he seems to like, he really wants to rock it. We're not really sure why. Um, he doesn't really believe that it was killed. It, it died in the car. <laughs> died. That it blew was, up. Yeah. So he wants to uh, interrogate the guy that lives. So he's like, "Well, I'm going to send Lothar." 
So we'll find out who Lothar is. Yep. Um, meanwhile, uh, PV and Cliff are kind of playing around with the rocket pack. They attach it to a statue to see if it works. And you kind of get a fun scene where the statue is. It's a statue of Bigelow, I think. Is it Bigelow? Eh, maybe it's not. I don't know. But they, they basically, they have it tied to a rope and they're like testing it and it's kind of doing like circles in the sky. Yeah. But then it like breaks free and it's like kind of going all over the place. And right, like crashing right. and stuff. And it's it's just kind of like a fun comical scene. Yeah. Um, and that's when they kind of decide they're like, oh, we I think we need a helmet if we're going to use this thing. Yeah, yeah, because they, they, uh, the, they pick up the mannequin and the head's like completely crushed in. Right. <laughs> so we're introduced to uh, Jennifer Connelly's character, Jenny, who yep. is uh, Cliff Secord's girlfriend. Yep. Uh, she's basically like an aspiring actress who hasn't done anything of note. Yeah, just basically like background work. Right. And she makes them go to a movie starring Neville Sinclair. It's called Wings of Honor. Because yeah, Neville Sinclair is her favorite actor. Right. Um, and that's, we kind of get on the, the news film there with like about this, <laughs> this blimp, this like German blimp that's touring the U.S. It's called the mm-hmm. Luxembourg, I believe it is. And it's basically doing an American tour. Like We should probably specify that this is pre- World War II. Yeah. I'm so this is 1938. 1938. Yeah. So this is while the Nazi party is kind of coming into power, um, but not quite where they're inciting war. Right. And yeah, and I forgot to mention that it's Los Angeles, 1938. That is correct. Yeah. So, and that, I mean, I think the Los Angeles part of it plays a big part. It's a giant part of it. Yeah. So that's kind of just thrown out there that this blimp is touring the U.S. and it's going to be in Los Angeles. Um, Lothar, who I don't know how to describe him, he kind of appeared to me to be a Dick Tracy villain. <laughs> well, that's what he was modeled after. He was modeled after a particular, I didn't see, I don't have the information now, but he's modeled after a particular villain in, I don't know if it was like a Dick Tracy comic or some other comic. Okay. Um, but that's why he's wearing those. He's he's in a full face prosthetic. Yeah, he looks like a. It's hard to describe what he, he looks, looks like. He looks like a cartoon character. Yeah, you're essentially right. He's this big, huge dude with like a weird face. And yeah, and like a and like a like a pork pie hat. And right. uh, but yeah, he was purposely made to look like a 30s, you know, villain. Okay, and that makes sense. And he he makes this guy tell him that the rocket wasn't destroyed. Tell him where it is, and then he kind of like breaks Folds him, him in, in half. half. Yeah, he bra- bends him in half. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. They don't show it, obviously, because it's a uh, not that kind of movie. But um, so <laughs> uh, Jenny ends up getting kind of pissed at Secord or Cliff during the date because she didn't tell him about. She finds out about the plane crash, but not from him. So she's kind of mad about it, right? Uh, and this is where I have like a weird thing. So Cliff and PV they live together. Yeah, <laughs> which I thought was kind of weird. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's Cliff's. Or Peavy's basically like his uncle, I guess. Okay. But I don't not, know if he's actually his uncle. Okay. But they live together in house. They do, yeah. And he's kind of working on the rocket. He's making, what does he make that helmet out of? I was kind of confused. It, it was an old radio. Okay. That's what it is. Yeah. So he's like making the helmet for him. You know, uh, it's, you know, the iconic helmet that will come to be mm-hmm. is made from a radio, apparently. <laughs> um, we cut to some filming of Sinclair's movie, which I said is, you know, it's like a Robin Hood movie. It's called The Laughing Bandit. Yes. Uh, and Jenny is a, uh, like, background player in this. Yeah, like an know? extra. And it's, Cliff comes to apologize during the filming, like, knocks over a big part of the set and, like, basically causes a big ruckus, gets her fired from the movie. <laughs> Um, but while they're having a conversation and he's telling her about the rocket pack, yeah, and like, and Sinclair overhears, he it. overhears it, so he knows that they're the ones that, that Cliff is the one that has the rocket right. pack. Right. So he decides he's like, well, I'm gonna you know 
get close to Jenny yep. and use that to get close to Cliff to get the rocket pack. Exactly. So she, he gets her, like, unfired and, and all kinds of stuff happens. That was one of those things I didn't pick up on until this viewing. Oh, really? I was like, oh, that's why he does that. <laughs> well, and, like, Cliff is kind of, like, he doesn't, his he's not very good at dealing with his relationship with Jenny. Like, he's kind of a dick to her about her acting career. Yeah. Kind of dismisses it and stuff. So um, it, it kind of makes sense while she kind of, like, gravitates towards Sinclair. Well, sure. Because she, Sinclair unfires her, unfires her, gets her a better role. Um, you know, and, and kind of weaves himself into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is where I have a note where you already explained because I said were airplane races a thing, but they were because no, you already totally explained that to me. Yep. <laughs> they're still a thing. Yeah. So uh, Valentine's goons are searching the hangar to try and find the rocket pack. Instead, they find a uh, Jenny's picture in the plane, which you know also comes into play. Uh, so there's an old guy in the diner. I can't remember his name. Malcolm. Malcolm. Malcolm, played by um, uh, um. Uh, Eddie Jones, who's a famous character actor. Okay. Actually, in this movie, there's a lot of... Well, I recognize the lady, like, I think it was... That's Margot, Margot Martindale. Who I remember her from... Uh, Justified. Justified, yeah. yeah. So she's, yeah, she's famous. Clint Howard's in this. Oh, was he? Yeah, he's Mark. I don't, I don't know who that is. Okay. <laughs> uh, but also, William Sanderson, do you know who he is? He was he was uh, Skeets. He was kind of the, the guy sitting next to Malcolm in the bar... Okay. He's on the show Deadwood. Oh, I'm like Skeets. I'm like the the robot that Booster Gold talks to. Yes. <laughs> um, who else did I see in this? But there are a lot of a lot of, a lot of famous character. character actors who are even more famous now than they were then. Okay. So uh, I think Malcolm feels bad because he's the one that maybe told Jenny about the crash. Yeah, they were sitting there. He mentioned it. Um, so she she knew that. So Jenny knew that the. Landing didn't go well. Right. She didn't realize he had crashed. Okay. And then Malcolm pipes in and says, oh, yeah, we had to haul him out of there. It was uh, getting ready to explode. Okay. So he feels bad about this, and, like, Cliff's running late, so he decides that he's going to take the plane up and do the clown act. Yes. But something goes wrong, and, like, he's going to crash. So he, that- never, he hasn't flown in, like, 25 years. Right. So something goes wrong while he's up there. He's, like, he's out during the race. He's going to, like, fly into the other planes. It's, yes. like, a big deal. So Cliff shows up. And makes his, like, kind of uses the rocket pack himself for the first time with the helmet, unveils it, and goes up to save Malcolm, Malcolm, which is a really cool scene. Although I will say, and this is, you know, the the flying effects in this movie, I mean, it's 1991, so I'll give it a break. They don't hold up that well. No, they don't hold up that well. But again, for 1991, that's all they had. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I can see it as far as that much, you know, like, although <laughs> it's funny, though, because we just talked about a movie from 1991 where the effects were still hold up. But they weren't flying effects. That's fair. You know what? I'll take that. They weren't flying effects. Um, so he saves the, uh, he saves Malcolm. I have, you know, there's a lot of kind of hijinks that ensue with the first test because he saves him, but he also has a lot of trouble. Uh, <laughs> kind of figuring out how to use this. Yeah, thing. like he crashes into him and stuff. It, he, the, the, everyone's trying to chase him down when uh, PV finds him in the truck and he basically uses the rocket pack. He straps like it a on boost wrench and, and like pushes the truck and it goes like, like yeah, a hundred miles an hour. That part was pretty cool. Um, and that's when the, um, they kind of coined the term the rocketeer there. The flying yeah, man. Yeah, Bigelow. Bigelow's being interviewed by all the press. And, uh, you know, he's come trying to come up with names. And eventually he's like, how about Rocketeer? Yeah. Uh, and uh, Sinclair's pissed about this. We get, I think we get a shot of him all mad about right. it. Right. Um, so the, the feds go to uh, Bigelow's office um, because it's been, like, ransacked. 
and they find him folded in half. Bigelow. Yes. So Bigelow's dead. Um, and I think he must have found out from Bigelow about PV and... Because next thing is Lothar shows up at PV's house. Yeah, he got the address of, of PV. Okay. So he shows up there. He's kind of threatening them. There's a little bit of a fight scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, the feds show up too. And they surround the building. And like Lothar like shoots at them. And so they just like light up the house. Oh, yeah. They... They just shoot the crap out of it. <laughs> but I do like in that fight scene with like because Lothar's such like a hulking guy. He's like he's picking up Cliff and he's just like ramming his yeah, head into the awesome. ceiling. It's really kind of funny. Um, they end up escaping with the rocket, um, making it out of the house. Uh, they turn the bulldog club out of that. What's that? They go hide out of the bulldog club. They that that's they bulldog go restaurant? yeah they go to the restaurant. Uh, before we kind of get to that though, like um, Sinclair's taking Jenny out on a date, taking right. her to the South Seas Club, which yep. is like I think it's Valentine's Club. Yeah, it's owned by Valentine, but it's like a big deal, like Los Angeles, like old timey. You know what? The vibe that I got from it, um, and I talk about this a little more, but because the whole movie gives me that vibe, but like it was a real like when they had the singer and the performance of it, it was a real like Temple of Doom. That's what they were going for. Okay, yeah, the yeah vibe yeah. at the beginning of it it reminded Absolutely. me a lot of anything goes yeah um so <laughs> he uh i can't remember exactly okay so they're hiding out at the diner and i think valentine's guys go to the diner right yeah they go to the diner look because they don't really know exactly what cliff looks like they don't know who the rocketeer is they just know he's at the airfield yeah so they go to the diner and they kind of they kind of shoot it up and they trash it and then they see like a uh, picture of him on the wall. I think a picture of Jenny with Cliff and because they know that Jenny is Cliff's girlfriend from yeah. the picture. So that's when they kind of find out. There's a little bit of a shootout where they take out some of the guards uh, and that during this fight is when the like the the rocket pack gets clipped by a bullet, and yeah. which is kind of like a major plot point because they at this point they know that Jenny's at the club with Sinclair right uh, and he wants to go rescue her so but they're like ah the rocket pack's leaking fuel so they use some gum (laughs) yeah because Cliff's always chewing gum and it's his good luck charm so PB takes the gum out of Cliff's mouth and sticks it on the hole over the hole yeah so the fuel doesn't leak anymore which like would that work Uh, I would imagine probably not (laughs) probably not okay no but it is, I mean, it's a movie about a rocket pack, so. Fair enough. Uh, Cliff arrives at the club. He finds Jenny, tells her that he's the rocketeer, which I don't even know if she knows who the rocketeer is at no, that she, point. No, that, that was a famous line from the from the trailer. It's like, I'm the rocketeer. Rocket who? <laughs> uh, so Lothar's at the club, and kind of like I, basically all hell breaks loose at the club because they yeah. find Cliff, and he gets the rocket pack out, and he's kind of flying around in the club. Um, he fights Lothar and Valentine's goons. Uh, like he tells Jenny to leave, and she does. She gets out of the club, but then she comes back in. Yeah, to see what's going on, I guess, to see him as the Rocketeer. Yeah, and then he gets. She basically gets kidnapped by Sinclair. Yeah, he uh, chloroforms her and drags her away. Right, and then oh, so I, I think I, hopefully I'm reading the scene right. He she wakes up at his house. Yeah. And does he try and convince her that, like, he's been kidnapped, too? That, like, he's being he's forced being to do it? He's being forced to to do these things. Okay. But she doesn't really buy it. No, she doesn't buy it. So she kind of, uh, she knocks him out. She eggs him out a bit. Yeah. And then eventually knocks him out. Right. 
Uh, and then, because uh, she saw him coming out of some like secret room, yeah, and she figures out how to get in there, and that's when we find out that he's a he's a Nazi, Nazi right? Yep. <laughs> Which I think there was like they say that in the the, the notes where this or the research that like he's based on Errol Flynn, and there were all these rumors that Errol Flynn was like a Nazi, like yeah, sympathizer. there was uh, there was an unauthorized biography written about Errol Flynn where it alleges all kinds of different things, and one of the things that it alleges is Errol Flynn was a Nazi. Okay, so this movie took that and ran with it. It basically took the version of Errol Flynn that's in that biography and used it as Neville Sinclair. Okay. <laughs> so the the bad guys, they, they have Jenny now. They want Cliff to bring the rocket to Griffith Observatory to save Jenny at 4 a.m. Right. He finds this out, I think, when he goes back to the diner after the... I think it was after he escapes from the club, he goes back to the, the bulldog place yeah, it's like he finds out because that's where he talks to the the girl, the little girl Patsy. Yes, yes, she, yes she's yes. really annoying. I have a note that says, "Shut up, Patsy." <laughs> <laughs> uh, the FBI catches Cliff, um, and they take him to uh, Howard Hughes's like factory because that's where PV is, and they're kind of like nerding out about airplane stuff. Yes. Him and Howard Hughes. And that's when he he basically tells him how important it is they get the rocket back and how it can't fall in that that. That's when it's revealed to Cliff that um, Sinclair's a Nazi. Right. Hughes tells him that. Which, that's one thing I have a problem with. Like, why does Hughes have so much information in this movie? Well, I think... He knows everything about the Army's plans and all well, this Well, what stuff. they posit is the Army basically hired... And I don't know if this is... I don't know how much of this is part is true. Right. The Army hired out Howard Hughes, because Howard Hughes is essentially like Tony Stark. Okay. Um, they hired him out to design all these things... For the for the military, which is why the rocket pack got designed and all that stuff. So he was privy to all of these things. Okay, I guess that makes enough sense. It, you know, yeah, all right, I'll accept that because he tells him it's like how important it is that they not get their hands on this rocket pack. Sure, and that's when he shows him like this movie that was smuggled out of Germany. Yeah, it's where, propaganda video where it, it it shows like their plans to take over the world using these jetpacks, yes. these rocket packs, which. Do you think you could take over the world just with some guys in jetpacks? If nobody else had jetpacks, yeah. I guess you're right. That's where that's where you get the video of them trying to build one and it blowing up with the cameo by Steven Sennett. Fair enough. Um, so he doesn't want them to, uh, he doesn't want to give the rocket back yet because he's like, hey, he's like, I need it. I got to get Jenny back. Yep. They don't want him to. That's where is that fun scene where he kind of escapes gliding down on the model of the spruce goose. Yeah. And that great line from Howard Hughes where he's like, that son of a bitch will fly. Yep. Because it's like a big. Uh, so I, that that's kind of a fun little thing in there. Uh, he goes to the observatory and he's kind of outgunned because uh, all Valentine's goons are there and they, they, he, they don't want to give him Jenny unless he gives him the pack and it's right. kind of a whole thing. But he kind of plays the two against each other because he tells valentine that uh Sinclair's a nazi yeah and like this pisses valentine off and he basically is like all right well turns the tide and is against sinclair yeah he's like you know he may do some crooked things but he's uh he's no traitor right and that's when like a whole like battalion of nazis show up yeah they're, which <laughs> come out of nowhere yeah they're just like out of the bushes and they're all over the place yeah. um so then there the blimp shows up that the the yeah so it turns out the entire like you know peace 
whatever it is, peace tour of this blimp was all a ruse so they could get the blimp into the United States to smuggle the jet packet, smuggle the rocket pack out. Okay, that makes enough sense. Um, so there ends up being like a big shootout, like the feds show up right. and they're battling the Nazis and it's kind of fun because like the Valentine's goons and the feds are working together yeah. in a fun scene where like... That was kind of funny. I enjoyed that. So um, there's a bit, like I said, a big shootout, all this stuff happening. So <laughs> I even know that says so many Tommy guns. Oh man, there's Tommy guns everywhere. This, this but that was the gun of the... It's other true. times. The smoothie's fil- filthy with Tommy guns. Uh, so Sinclair still has Jenny... And he, he takes her onto the blimp. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> which is like, I guess I, I guess this makes sense because I have a note that was kind of confusing to me. I guess you were explaining to me at the time, like we weren't, the war hadn't started, so we weren't at war. Because sure. it's like the blimp is clearly a Nazi blimp. Yes. But like it wasn't like, it was before the war started. So I guess yeah. like we weren't, we were against Nazis, but like it wasn't like, because I was like, well, wouldn't they know it was a bad guy thing if it was right, flying around? Right. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so Cliff flies out to the uh, blimp with a rocket pack. Right. Um, he has a, a kind of a fun fight with Lothar on top of the blimp. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Where like Lothar is like strapped in by like a. It's like a, like a, like a, like a bungee line almost, like a. Like a like a safety harness. Yeah, so he can kind of like fight, and the, he ends up throwing him off the side, I think. Yeah, and he's hanging off the side of the blimp. Well, I thought he like crashes through. Yeah. he crashes through the front window, and he, like, no, he doesn't crash through it. He crashes like against it. Okay, because I know I know the pilot falls out the window, but I can't remember the circumstances that led to that. Um, I thought it was because he. Crashed oh yeah, through the you're window. right. It is. Yeah, it is because he crashed through it. Yeah. So yeah. He, so he crashes through like you know. There's a bunch of the pilot falls out. There's a bunch of stuff going on with the blimp all. It's not looking too good for everyone. So he goes in and he, he agrees that he's going to give the rocket pack to Sinclair. Right. But he takes that gum off before he gives it to him. That's right. So the, the blimp's crashing, but Sinclair's like, I'm going to get out of here. Straps the pack on, takes off. And things are looking great for him. But, uh-oh, the fuel's leaking and he turns into a fireball and blows up. That was pretty awesome. Yes. And not only that, he crashes into what was the Hollywood land sign, takes out the land part. And now becomes the Hollywood sign. <laughs> so, you know, at least he did some good in his ending. Um, but the bad news is is that the uh, blimp is still crashing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have any parachutes or any way to get off it. Um, so they go on the top of the blimp again. I don't, right. I don't know what they're playing. And then uh, Lothar shows back up, right? Because he wasn't dead. Right, yeah. Um, I don't remember exactly what happens. I think the, the blimp starts to explode from the front, and right. the, the flames are kind of engulfing. You know, oh, going. that's right. And, and so they take off running because they see Howard, Howard Hughes. Hughes and PV in like the gyrocopter. <laughs> <laughs> with the ladder down, getting ready to pick him up off the blimp. Right, that's it. And Lothar's chasing him, and they're like running as the blimp's exploding, but then he's still attached to the blimp yeah. on the uh, the bungee cord thing, so he gets to a certain point and gets pulled back yeah. into the explosion and dies. That's right. And they're picked up from the ladder by uh, Howard Hughes and, and Howard Hughes, yep. like at the last minute, and they get away from the blimp, and it blows up, and they're good, though. Right. So the kind of the, the, the epilogue or the end of the movie is they're hanging out at the diner, and uh, Howard Hughes shows up, and he's got this really nice, like, plane. Yep. Uh, and he's, like, showing it off, and, like, oh, Cliff's, like, oh, it's really nice, and it's got, like, sponsors and all this stuff. And basically, he gives the plane to... He throws the keys to, to Cliff, and uh, he says, uh, 
Take good care of her. Yeah. So he gives gives on the plane. Uh, he gives him he gives him the plane and a pack of gum. Yeah. Because I think the gum might be the sponsor of the plane. It is. Yeah. So uh, and Jenny still because we didn't mention that while she was at Sinclair's, um, she stole the plans for the rocket pack. From well, PV had um, PV did some improvements to the rocket pack. Okay. And made up his own plans. And Lothar had stolen those plans when he was in their house. Okay. And gave them to Sinclair. Okay. So Jenny saw them, stole them back, not realizing that PV had drawn them. Right. Um, and then gave them to PV. Okay. So he has them at the end, and he's kind of looking at him. He's like, "Hi, oh, you know what?" He's like, "I think if we did this," and he's like talking about how yeah, change the fuel to air ratio, and yeah, he thinks he can basically he thinks he can build a new one. Right. So and that's kind of how the movie ends, which right. is like obviously setting it up for a sequel. Yeah, absolutely. It was like they were like, oh, we'll make another one. This is going to be a huge success. Sure. Well, that was the plan. The plan was to make kind of an Indiana Jones like like franchise out of this. Right. Um, which would have been great. Yeah. And like that, this, the, the movie, I mean, not just because of, I mean, partly because of the era that it's set in, but it does like rewatching it now. It has like such an Indiana Jones vibe to it. Oh, it absolutely does. Like it, it wouldn't, you wouldn't be crazy for like. Indiana Jones to show up in this movie. No, not at all. And you know what? I think that would have been appropriate. Because it's it's it, 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 it's grounded enough in like, I mean, I don't want to say actual science, but it makes enough sense where it's realistic. Sure. You know, like they don't present it as like, oh, this, you know, it's like in the context of the movie, it's like, okay, I get it. Howard Hughes invented this. He's a smart guy. It yep. works. Like it's conceivable. It's real world enough where it's not fantastic. You know, like it's like, okay, I could see him and Indiana Jones existing in this same world. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I, I thought that would have been a great idea was to do like a crossover between the two. Not that they could have. <laughs> but, I'm, sur- uh, I'm surprised it's something that hasn't been done in like a novelization or like a comic book or something well, like that. Well, they did do comics where, I don't know if it was Indiana Jones and Rocketeer, but Rocketeer and... Um, they probably maybe they cross them. I could see him crossing over with like the spirit or something. Yes, like that. it was Rocketeer and Spirit. Okay, because I have read some. They still. Uh, I've never read the original Rocketeer graphic right. novel, but I'm going to because I found it at a good price yep. online and I want to read it. But I have read some other ones. They've written some series. I know there's one that I'm interested in reading where it's called like the Rocketeer Goes to War, and it's basically him serving in World War II. Yeah, which I think would be interesting to read. Is that and, an IDW title? Yeah, okay. though, and I have a series that I read where it's like. It's it's kind of like a pulp, you know. It's like a pulp sure. comic, but it's like the Rocketeer and like the like dangerous cargo, and it's basically like the Rocketeer battling like dinosaurs, which sounds crazy, but it's actually kind of cool. All right, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely would like to go back and read that uh, original uh, graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And they said that in the uh, original graphic novel that his girlfriend is not Jenny Blake; it's actually uh, Betty Page. It is, yeah. Uh, but uh, she didn't clear it, like, I guess, to use it in the movie. So that's why they had to change the character. Yeah, well, I think they wanted to change it, too, to make it a little more PG. I guess that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which reminds me, that, like, I watched this movie, for the for obviously, for the podcast here. Yeah. But I had rented it, so I still had, like, a day left on my rental. And I'm like, hey, Ash, you want to sit down? So me and Ash sat and watched, ended up watching, uh, we, we got through about, Three quarters of it before uh, the rental, you know, yeah. finished up. But um, but he liked it a lot. He he really enjoyed it. I'm gonna have to I'll have to buy it so we can see all of it now. Yeah. But but this was a really good kids movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, especially it, for like at, at the time we were like we were eleven. Right, and that's the thing. Like, and I we we do the movies on the podcast, and obviously we've talked many times before about how like 
movies hit you at the right time. Sure. You know, and they stick with you. And that's like this period of time, you know, when we were like 9, 10, 11, I feel like those movies have stuck with me like so much that like this is one. Uh, we talked about T, T2, which is a 91 sure. movie, which is one. Um, 89 is the original Batman. That was like a huge one mm-hmm. for me. Um, Last Crusades around that time. Last Crusades around that time. Um, another one that uh, maybe we'll cover at some time, but like Dick Tracy came out around yep. that. That was another one I was obsessed with. And I had to look it up because that was one I was obsessed with. And another one that was like a 19, I think it was 89 or 90 was Gremlins 2. And that was another one. Yeah. And like Bill and Ted's, they all came out around the same time. Young Guns 2? Yeah. So I think like it's weird how like you're at a certain point in your life where like those movies just, for better or for worse, they're just they mean so much to you at that sure. period in your life, and this was one of those movies for me. Yeah, and it's like I guess it, like we kind of talked about at the beginning. It's not something that sticks with everybody, you know, no. like or people enjoy it. But I think it hit us at the right time. Yeah, I agree. And, and although I will say this about the movie is of a time for is in a time frame. Yeah, but it feels timeless. Yeah, like it doesn't feel it doesn't feel dated even though it is technically you know a yeah. period movie right well i think it, i what i really love about the movie is is that like the the kind of that old hollywood like yeah. feel it's captured so well in it. I and agree. it's like they they do is so, such a good job of kind of putting los angeles into it in that like 19 late 30s you know los angeles sure. and the clubs and the clothes and everything it's like this movie it's not a cheap movie at all no i mean you watch it now and obviously you know it's like all right well the effects aren't but it was what they had at but the time. But that's what they had, 91, yeah. But it's like everything else, the acting, the costumes, and all that stuff, I, to me, is really good. Yeah. Costumes are great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I thought there was an interesting thing that I have in there where um, there's a scene in the club when Neville Sinclair's there, and she's kind of introducing um, Jenny to people. And one of them, yeah. is, one of them is Clark Gable. Yep. Uh, and they said that like that was kind of thrown in there because they said that apparently Clark Gable was Hitler's like favorite actor. Yeah. Even so much as like he offered a reward during World War II for anyone to like capture him and bring him to Germany. That's funny. So they said that that was thrown in as kind of like a little uh, inside joke yep. because Hitler loved uh, Clark Gable so much. Um, other one, of course, W.C. Fields was in there as well. Yeah, that's the other one, right? Yeah. Um, a couple of things that I saw, you know, they said that the the ballroom scene was originally supposed to be more of a um, elaborate scene kind of going on in there, but it kind of, due to, uh, like, budget issues, they sure. kind of had to scale it back. Okay. Like, I think he was, you know, there was going to be a lot more going on, intricate, and as it is, he kind of just flies around a little bit. Yeah, essentially, it's that he just kind of randomly flies around. So it was going to be a more interesting scene, but, I mean, you know, I, I think it still works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, one of the things I want to touch on was the potential sequel. Okay. So I, I don't know how much of this you read. No, I didn't read any of this. So. Oh, yeah. So initially there was going to be, they were going to work on doing a, a sequel to it, obviously because of the, because of the, 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 the Jenny and, uh, and Cliff, uh, so Jennifer Connelly and Billy uh, Campbell had signed on to do three films. Okay. So it was going to be multiple films. Obviously because of how it ended up budget, uh, um, uh, financially, it didn't, didn't happen. Right. But over the years, you know, it's been building steam. It's kind of become a cult classic. In 2016, Disney confirmed they were going to be rebooting it. Oh, wow. Called The Rocketeers. Okay. With, uh, written by Max, Max uh, Winkler, who is the son of Henry the, Winkler. The Fonz? The Fonz, yeah. Hey. But here's the funny part. The film is being produced by Blake Griffin of The Pistons. Oh, <laughs> whoa. And Ryan Khalil of the, of the uh, Carolina Panthers. What? Yeah. And uh, it's going to take place six years after this film. Okay. 
Cliff's gone missing, <laughs> and it is a black female pilot as the lead. Huh. Which, I don't know how much that makes sense in 1940s America. Yeah. It just seems like that'd be a really strange thing to do at that time frame. But it could be maybe one of the things that the plot hinges on. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I'm sure it would be. Um, And um, there really haven't been any updates since then. (laughs) Blake Griffin? Yeah, Blake Griffin apparently is a huge fan of The Rocketeer. That's so weird. And uh, and yeah, and is is supporting a reboot of it. That is interesting and super weird. We should ask him next time we see him. Yeah, we'll go to a Pistons game. Well, we'll be the only ones there, so I'm sure you'd want to talk to (laughs) us. Do you guys want an autograph? No, we want to talk about The Rocketeer. I bet you if we asked him about that, He'd be gung ho to talk about it, <laughs> unless the plans for the sequel like fell through and he's like real sore about it. Well, then we could just talk. We'd be like, "How great an idea that would be! How much we love the Rocketeer!" Yeah, that's true. That's it. Here's our new plan: we're gonna go to a Pistons game <laughs> specifically to talk to Blake Griffin about the Rocketeers. Yeah, we're gonna like splurge and get like seats right behind the bench, so we'll be like, "Blake, Blake, the Rocketeer." That's all right. They're probably gonna be like twenty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Pistons games are very under under uh, populated at this point. That's true. I went to one this year and it was not super crowded. No, I can't imagine it would be. <laughs> yeah, that's very fascinating. I, I had no idea. I did not come across any of that. In my yeah, research. isn't that bizarre? That's super weird. Speaking of bizarre, let's do some role reversal. All right. <laughs> You know, I'm going to start with Cliff. Okay. So for Cliff, played by Billy Campbell. Yep. Kevin Costner. Uh, maybe 1991. Kevin yeah. Costner. So you're talking like Dances with Wolves era. He's probably yeah, probably I think I, I keep thinking of him as being old, but maybe back then he probably would have been the right age. No, nah, he would have. He's older than Billy Campbell. By yeah, lot. that's what I'm thinking. Is he would be a maybe a little too old for it. Okay. Matthew Modine. Maybe yeah. Right. He's he's about the same age. Okay. Uh, Dennis Quaid. Would have been around the same age. Uh, maybe. I don't know if I can see that one. Okay. Kurt Russell. I feel like Kurt Russell's too old, right? No. At that time, I totally could see Kurt Russell as well. <laughs> you just love Kurt Russell. I do love Kurt Russell. <laughs> Bill Paxton. <laughs> Paxton would have probably been pretty good. Yeah. As long as he didn't repeat his performance from Aliens, I'd be okay with that. No. Emilio Estevez. No. No? I don't like that. All right. Johnny Depp. <sighs> Maybe. I could see him doing it. I'm not a big Johnny yeah. Depp fan, but I could see him doing it. Okay, so here's somebody who actually turned the role down. All right. Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, really? Yeah. He that's, had the role and turned it down. That's weird. I guess I can't. I, I'm picturing like Vincent D'Onofrio now. Yeah, no, definitely not now. It would have been like... I'm not picturing 1991 Vincent D'Onofrio, yeah. so I guess I don't really have any context for that. Okay. Uh, for Jenny, uh, Sherilyn Fenn from yeah. Twin Peaks. Okay. Kelly Preston. Oh, I could see that. Yep. Diane Lane. Oh, Diane Lane. Yep. Judge Dredd. That's right. And Elizabeth McGovern. I think any of those. I'd say all work. of them would be pretty interchangeable. Uh, so PV, uh, Lloyd Bridges had the role, but oh, they had really? to turn it down oh, due well, to conflicts. Okay. So Lloyd Bridges, I thought, would have been pretty good. Or yeah. Uh, now, here's the good one. Ready? Okay. So Neville. Yeah. Jeremy Irons. Ooh, I could see that. Yeah. I think that could work. I uh, thought would be good, too. And then Charles Dance, who's Tywin Lannister. Oh, okay. That would be an interesting mm-hmm. one, too. I think he would have been great as well. I think he would have been great. I, I do love Timothy Dalton. Yeah, Dalton's great in this. I, I can't fault. The acting in this movie in general is very good. Right. There did, they did say there's a fun reference. There's a scene, I think it's in the uh, blimp when they're fighting, and they're like he's like, oh, no one to take your punches for. And he's like, he like hits like uh, Cliff, and he's like, oh, 
he's like, I do my own stunts. And they said that that's like yeah. a secret reference to the fact that he was allegedly, I guess, at the time, the only uh, James Bond who actually did his own stunts. Yes. So this had to be right around when he was Bond, right? Yeah, this is, yeah, this is right or around. Right. This is 91. So um, when I've, did uh, License Sequel come out? I feel like maybe 90 or 89. Yeah. So, because uh, I feel like maybe Living Daylights is like eighty-seven or eighty-eight. Yeah, because well, well, when did um there was a five-year break between the last Dalton and the first Brosnan? Well, Goldeneye was ninety-four. Okay, so yeah, so, so eighty-nine. Okay, so but uh, he's great in this, and and like I some of the other PB ones that work, but I love Alan Arkin in this. Alan Arkin is really good. He's in this. really good, and like Tara, Tara, Tara Quinn's great in this yeah. too. I mean, he's not in it a ton, but like. He's 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 used effectively. Yep. Oh, and um um I did see one other one uh for Bigelow. It was written for Joe Pesci. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He never ended up really being offered the part, but it was written for Joe Pesci. The guy that played Bigelow, I recognize. I can't mm-hmm. really place him from anything. He is. <laughs> uh oh. He is. Oh, how do I just? He's like just a random. He's like a like an Italian character actor okay so in basically any mobster movie he's probably in it okay because i like i'm like oh that guy is a look i really recognize but couldn't yeah. play some for some i'm trying to think of specific. something you would know him in um uh he was in who framed roger rabbit he was the director okay in, of the cartoons in who framed roger rabbit that's not what i'm thinking of okay. i'm thinking of something different but i'm not gonna if i didn't think of it when i was watching the movie i'm not gonna think of it now all right fair enough <laughs> uh anything else you want to hit before we write this thing uh, no, I think we kind of covered. Oh, I did see that uh, Frank Darabont did some uncredited work on the screenplay. Yeah. And they said that I, they originally apparently hired some guy named William Deere to direct it. And I don't know who William Deere is. I have no idea. They ended up getting rid of him. So. Which I'm happy with Joe Johnson to rid him. Yeah. So, okay, that's all I had. All right. Let's, uh, let's write this thing. Okay. Do you uh, want to go first or you go first? You know what? I will go first. All right. So, again, I'll go into this thing. Obviously, as we discussed, I, I have some personal attachment to this movie. So it's obviously going to weigh into how I feel about it. Um, I love this movie. Um, it's one of those ones where I remember specifically, like we talked about me building a Terminator 2 uh, <laughs> a Lego set. This one, I didn't have a Rocketeer toy, but I had like a G.I. Joe with like one of those Viper helmets that was really big and like a backpack. And I would pretend that he was a Rocketeer. I remember. I remember that. For all you G.I. Joe nerds, I remember specifically it was Chuckles for some reason that I used. I yep. don't know why. Uh, so uh, this movie was huge for me. I, I loved it. Uh, I, I think this movie is underappreciated. I think that. It didn't get the success that it probably should have. I think it's a, a fun movie. I think it's got great performances in it. I think the plot is fun and it it the, the <laughs> it looks good and it's just it, and it's like it's just fun to watch. You know, it's not like super violent. It's not there's you know it's just a clean wholesome movie that's fun to watch and the music's great. And I do I don't know it's so hard because my personal attachment is so deep into it. But I think I'm gonna go with four machine guns for it. I am in total agreement with you. Um, I think you're right. I think, obviously, you and I have a bit of a personal attachment to this film, but it is a very underappreciated film. It's really good. Right. I mean, it is a really good film. Um, it's There's no slow points in it. The action makes sense. Even, like, the little plot devices, like, finding the different pictures of, like, uh, of Jenny and then connecting the dots, all that stuff makes sense. There's yeah. no real... 
I don't really know of any real big plot holes in it. No. Um, it's a real tight film. Um, the performances are great. Timothy Dalton makes a great villain. Yeah, I love him in this movie. He's really good. I mean, it, like, it, it's one of those films where I'm sad that, obviously it didn't do as well, but that the technology wasn't there to make it look, make the Rocketeer part of it look better. Right. right. It looked good. I mean, for the time, it looked great. Yeah. But it does that part maybe It doesn't hold up as well, yeah. Right. And it's like you watch and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. But I finished watching this movie, and then I was immediately excited to sit down and watch it with Ash yeah. afterwards. So, like, watching it back-to-back, I had no problem doing it. Yeah, and I would, you know, for you, I would I would recommend almost, that Blu-ray, it's a great transfer. I would almost recommend picking it up. Okay. If I could have a Blu-ray player. Oh, that's right. I forgot. My Blu-ray player blew up. Oh. Uh, so I got to get a new Blu-ray player first. Um, but yeah, so I love it. I'm, I agree. I'm making this a four. This is, and I think people should see it. Yeah, and that I think that's the one thing I would say because I think people are going to see this episode and be like, "Oh, the Rocketeer." That's like a weird one for them to do. And like I said, I just I, I really think this is a movie people should check out because it's. It, I think, like we said, it's underappreciated. It's just a well-made film, and it's like if you like Indiana Jones movies and you like those kind of pulpy, you know, like Hollywood movies, I, you're going to like it. You know, I really think you will if you go into it with an open mind and kind of remember that it was made in 1991. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I can 100% agree. That's, that's, I think, my biggest takeaway from this is that I want people to listen to this and I want them to check out The Rocketeer and watch it and go into it, you know, with an open mind and kind of be like, hey, this is just a fun little bit of entertainment. And I think you'll really enjoy it. I agree. I think you will as well. Excellent. So uh, this is an interesting transition. Speaking of Indiana Jones, yes. let's move into our... Action bracket. Action bracket. We don't have a theme song. No, we don't. <laughs> Action bracket. Yeah, that's what you said one time. It was great. Yeah. Action bracket. No. We're Action bracket. Yeah, that's good. I think we're good. All right. Uh, so we're in round eight. We are in the final round, final matchup of the first round. Ooh, what round is, eight. What is that matchup? From Empire Strikes Back, Han Solo. Okay. Versus Neo from the first Matrix. Shoot. Yeah. That's an interesting matchup. It is an interesting matchup. It's definitely a matchup of opposites. Yeah. Like you got Han Solo, the cocky, plane flying scoundrel. S- scoundrel yeah. versus uh Neo, the he's Neo, he's the one. Yeah. You know. Um so I'm I'm interested to see where this thing uh where this thing goes. Yeah. So uh, you can vote on this on Facebook, on uh our Discord. Right. And uh if you're a if you're a, a patron of uh, and you donate a dollar to us every month, you get an extra vote. Excellent. Yep. So go to gamezillamedia.com. No, go to patreon.com <laughs> slash gamezillamedia. There you go. And you can donate a dollar. And if you donate five bucks, you get extra shows and extra stuff that we give you. Like all the all the podcasts on our network give you extra stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, for just for five bucks a month. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. <laughs> uh, and you can check us out on at, on Mondays, every Monday. Right. Uh, and on, on the Gamezilla Media Network, right, as well as on iTunes and, and, and Stitcher <laughs> so, and everywhere yeah. else. Yeah, Spotify, uh, and then you can check out all of our other podcasts, such as, uh, well, obviously the Gamezilla podcast itself. Yep, which I believe is live, live um, on Mondays, and then out as a podcast on Tuesday. Bingo. Uh, you also got Noobs and Dragons. Yep, uh, Legends of Retro. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the uh, Simpsons podcast, uh, Noiseland Arcade. That is absolutely correct. So, so we got a little bit of everything for everybody. Yeah, check them out. Give you know if you're listening to us, you should you know try something else. Just give it a shot and see. You know you're you're gonna like it. You know find something else and, and give it a shot. Yep, and you can always check us out on uh, on on, on um, 
YouTube, and we do a lot of Twitch streaming as well. And right. Facebook streaming, I do. Right. And obviously, you can interact with us on all of our social media platforms. We love to hear from you guys. You know, give us some movie ideas. We're always looking for ideas of movies to do. So, you yep. know, leave us a post, you know, hit us up and let us know what you'd like to see us cover. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think we covered this movie pretty well. I think we did. I hope I hope that we converted some people to give The Rocketeer a shot. Yeah, just give it a shot. I mean, you're not going to be disappointed. Even if you don't love the movie, you'll like it. Yeah. And, and you'll you will be entertained. I promise you. And it's not a big commitment. It's like an hour and a half. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really not bad. Give it a shot. Yep. Uh, let's give this a shot. This episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated, but we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>